listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 223. This episode is brought to you by The Good Kitchen, thegoodkitchen.com. Claire and I have been scouring meals for the longest time, and I feel like we have stumbled upon the best ones, and we're so excited that they are sponsoring this episode. We have been embarking on the most wonderful R&D to figure out when it comes to pre-made meals, what is the best for your value? And we encountered a couple of different companies um, that either we felt were more expensive than what they were worth or the packaging wasn't you know, easy to use or they weren't that tasty or they didn't have that many options. And we were really blown away by the Good Kitchen. It's so tasty. It's so like, good. It's like I want to eat it yeah. for all my meals. I kept texting Claire every time I'd have a meal. I was like, like oh my when, gosh, I, I hate yeah. to be a broken record, but this is so good. And it's pretty affordable. I mean, obviously, anytime you're paying for a pre-made meal, um, you're going to be paying more than what you would you would pay to uh, maybe for your normal grocery bill. But if you think about it in terms of they're doing the shopping and the cooking and the cleaning for you, because all you have to do is throw away your little dish. Um, it's really awesome. And it's a great resource. And another thing we love about The Good Kitchen is that it's not just subs- subscription-based. You can just do like a one-off week. Yep. So a lot of the companies, they require you to get a three- or six-month subscription and, um, or even a one month subscription, but for the good kitchen, you can go in and just order a single week of food, um, and just order it for maybe, you know, and you know that you are going to be just coming back from a vacation or, you know, we're going to have people in town or like I have been ordering them when Brandon has clinicals and he doesn't get late. And it's really hard for me to cook when it's just me and miles home alone in the evenings. And I'm trying to get ready for bed and they have kids meals too, which are great. And miles really likes them. And really it's just, we are huge fans of this of this service, and we highly recommend it. So you can go to thegoodkitchen.com forward slash GGW, and that using that URL will let them know that we sent you. And then you can also, in addition to using that URL, put in the code GGW, and that will get you 15% off your first order. It's a great way to support the podcast and let them know that we sent you and keep us going. So we love this sponsor. We think you'll love them as well. So thank you in advance for supporting thegoodkitchen.com. And that's forward slash GGW for that direct GGW link and the discount code GGW. GGW, all the things. So this week we had the pleasure all of... All the GGW things. This week we had the pleasure of interviewing Julie Fouché on the podcast. Like... We were beside ourselves because we got to meet Julie at the games this summer and we connected and really planned on doing a podcast ever since we met her. And she's just wonderful and lovely. We had a lot of questions for her around health and especially because now she's a practicing physician. And so we really got into some good discussions with her. Yeah, I think um, interviewing Julie, I mean, that's always been on our bucket list. And so we're really excited that we finally got to connect with her. And she's just such a smart and well-spoken lady that we are really excited for you guys to um, hear this episode. And please let us know. We would love to do a, an episode again with Julie. So let us know what questions you have that come up from anything we talk about. And um, yeah, we really hope you guys love this. All right. Enjoy. Um, we'll just kind of get started with the conversation if you don't mind. That sounds perfect. Okay, cool. I also want to know how the wedding was because you just, it looks like from Instagram, you just went to a fabulous wedding. I did. It was <laughs> really, um, it's so nice when there's a wedding right down the street from where you live. <laughs> I hadn't been to any weddings in downtown Cleveland and it was really fun. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Claire and I met you at the games officially. We've been following you for years and years and years as everyone in the CrossFit world has. Um, and we had some really interesting conversations with you and I just, I feel like we want to start. Claire had a great question, so I'll let her take it away. Okay. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, everybody has really has watched your, your path evolve from the um, competitive CrossFit athlete into prioritizing your med school career now into becoming a physician. And with that background of competitive CrossFit, but also of the ideology of CrossFit and of, you know, um, just really being immersed in the way that CrossFit thinks about health. I'm really curious about how does your definition of health and how, you know, you kind of embody that and how you are um, going to be practicing that. How do you feel like that varies from other doctors that you've, that you work with or that you've been um, come in contact with and how, how have you been surprised, I guess, in ways that it varies or, or in ways that it's similar? Wow. That's a great question. Um, it's funny because so I found CrossFit when I was starting the process of applying to medical school and I honestly never thought that I would end up in primary care, but 
a lot of the reasons why I'm here is because it fits a lot better with my philosophy of health and the philosophy that actually I got from CrossFit. So when I did my level one in 2009 and I first heard, I guess it was 2010, I did my level one. I first heard the definition, CrossFit's definition of health and of fitness. And that completely blew my mind. It completely changed the way that I thought about health and disease. And I immediately knew, okay, this is this is something that's going to change my life. And so it still took me a few years to kind of figure it out and figure out how my career and my path in medicine was going to align with that. Um, but ultimately, it looked like me finding primary care, where really, of all specialties in medicine, in primary care, you're a lot more focused on prevention, and you're a lot more focused on actually creating health than diagnosing and treating disease. Um, although still, I think Traditionally, we do a lot more of that diagnosing and treating disease than we do the other way around just because of the way our system is set up. Mm -hmm. And in medical school, really, that's mostly what we learn. There isn't a whole lot of learning or coursework about how to create health. Um, it's all really in the context of disease. So even though we learn, you know, a healthy diet is important and exercise is important, it's always, oh, well, that's important to prove you know, to prevent or treat diabetes or cardiovascular disease or X, Y, and Z. And it's not, we never, we never had a course that said, okay, how do you maximize someone's health or how do you make them as healthy as possible? Because that's just not the way our healthcare system is set up. It's how do we identify disease, maybe prevent it or prevent it from getting worse. Um, and try to treat the symptoms. Because for the most so, part, people are coming to you with with something they need cured or treated. So that's that would make right. sense. Yeah. Right. They're coming when they need help. Right. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's an interesting time because for the most part, the health and fitness and wellness communities and the medical community has been very separate. And so often, you know, it's the people who decide that they want to make that a priority in their life and they go out and they join a gym or they, you know, buy quality foods and make that something that they choose to do. Um, it's not usually very connected to what's going on in their doctor's office or um, they're not like most people are not going to their doctor to make those decisions. They're doing them on their own. Yeah. Um, and so it's, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, just taking a step back, can you, for people who have not taken the level one or who have not read a lot of like CrossFit journal, can you um, just kind of summarize what that definition of health is and the difference between maybe what you find in your in your med school classes? Sure. So traditionally, I mean, traditionally in the definition that they talk about in the level one that, um, that had been used for a very long time was where health is the absence of disease. Um, now I think there's a lot more, more better or all-encompassing kind of definitions of health that are used in the general medical community. Um, that are more focused on well-being and quality of life. Um, but CrossFit's definition builds off the definition of fitness, which is work capacity across broad time and modal domains. So basically how, you know, how fit are you depends on all of your performance markers, whether they're short time intervals, whether they're heavy lifts, whether they're longer things like running a marathon and maximizing that area under the curve when you're tracking your power output in each of those different exercises. Um, and then health builds on that. And so it's basically maintaining that fitness throughout your life. So it's work capacity across broad time, modal and age domains. So the thought is the longer you can maximize that area under the curve over the years of your life and prevent its decline, um, the healthier you're going to be. And um, I, and so, yeah. oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, know, I, think it, I, I think that's great. And I think something that we've been talking a lot about lately on this podcast is about the concept of, <clears throat> excuse me, the concept of um, working out or, you know, eating or really just making your decisions based on the longevity of your fitness rather than mm -hmm. based on, you know, getting to the open or, or whatnot, because the vast majority of us are not, nor will we ever be competitive level CrossFitters. And that's not our goal. And yet we still sort of function as if it is like we, mm -hmm. you know, count, count macros is our big, you know, scapegoat right now that we've been talking a lot about <laughs> or, um, you know, work out two times a day or seven days a week. And in reality, um, you know, when you look at it over maximizing it over your, your entire life, um, when you have that mindset, probably you're not going to be functioning like a, like a CrossFit games athlete. 
It's so true. And I think so many times we lose sight of that because, I mean, it's just human nature. We want the results faster. We want to see improvements and we think we can speed up the process. But just coming from my own experience, the type of training that I was doing when competition was my focus, um, I don't think was healthy. And I think that over a longer period of time, it probably um, would be more detrimental to my overall health. I might end up with injuries down the road or limitations just because I pushed myself probably, you know, beyond boundaries or pushing through pain because you have this short-term goal in mind. Um, I think that definitely it helped me to maximize my fitness at the time. Um, And because of that, I think I've been able to obviously maintain a higher level of fitness in the following years. But I think if most of us are looking at overall health and longevity, the type of training that we're doing doesn't look the same as what these CrossFit Games athletes are doing. It's very, very different. Totally. So how do you, like as a primary care physician, first of all, I think it's interesting that you say that you never thought you'd go into that because um, I feel like it is so unsexy and it's, you know, it's not, you're not like going to go be a surgeon or, you know, whatever. But, um, and yet that's like really where people are, are missing the boat because they aren't getting that information from their doctors and they're just being told like, Oh, just take this pill or, Oh, just have some diet soda. Right. Well, it kind of resonates. I can see that too, Claire. Sorry to interrupt it. The way I'm like thinking of it is when I was, um, looking to go to school, I wanted to be, I thought I was like, Oh, I want to be in criminal justice. But I realized like I didn't want to be at the tail end of people getting into trouble. I wanted to be on the prevention end. So I got into therapy. So I was like, I want to help people before they get to that point. So I kind of like that's kind of where I'm seeing like the wheel in my mind is like primary care is the place where you can probably have the most effect on people's lives, or you would hope so. It's so true. And I think that's what I realized as I got into medical school. And I saw just how many diseases and how many people who are sick in the hospital that maybe wouldn't be there if we had caught them earlier or we had helped them make better decisions earlier on. And so that was frustrating for me. And I definitely wanted to be on that prevention side of things. Do you get frustrated ever? And I don't know, um, you know, like the kinds of conversations you're able to have, but is it ever frustrating to feel like, man, I could tell this person all day long about prevention and they just don't give a crap and they're going to go live their lives and they're just going to come back to me and, you know, ask me for a prescription no matter what I do. Yeah, I think it is, you know, and it's one of those (laughs) things that you think, especially being in the community that we're in and where everyone gets it and fitness is this high priority and eating well is a high priority and people generally want to take care of themselves. Um, You realize you go out into any regular primary care clinic, like the patients that I have now, and I would say a majority of them, it's just not a priority for them. They have other concerns that are, you know, on their mind, like maybe they're financial, maybe their other people in their family are sick. And for them, their own personal health just isn't a priority. And it can be frustrating because you want to help them and you want them to make it a priority because you know that down the line, they're going to be a lot better off. Um, but a lot of it is just being patient and helping people to kind of make their slow, go through their slow stages of change and be ready and be there for them when they are ready to change because you can't force it. It, uh, Ultimately it has to come from the individual person. You can't do it for them. Um, and so I think I'm just learning to remember that and to be patient and to know that a lot of it, especially in primary care is about developing the relationship with the person and over the long term you hope you can make an impact but it's probably not going to be in the first visit or maybe even in the first year of visits um if they're really not not thinking that way to begin with well not only that is like you first of all you have such a huge ability to plant a seed but i think i wonder is there some skepticism when patients are coming in of, you know, in the past, I feel like primary care or even just doctor offices have received a bad rep because they are supposed to push you in and push you out. And I think that that is also, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that anymore. I feel like that was something that's kind of old news now, but do you feel that patients are still hanging on to that a little bit of like, they just don't know who to trust? I think so. I think just in general, as a medical profession like over the last several decades there's a lot of um we there I think we lost a lot of trust from the general population and I think that it's still a lot of times um you know one of the biggest challenges that we have is still time and you 
the way that the system's set up now, there isn't really a lot of time to spend with each patient to be able to get through, you know, your 20 or 30 patients every day. And so that poses a challenge. It really, you know, it makes it difficult to have these deeper conversations and develop these deeper relationships, which can kind of help to regain that trust. Um, I think one of the things that's challenging now is like, I'm, you know, I see my patients in clinic and being a first year resident, we have a lot of extra time. So they don't, schedule us every 15 minutes like you would see out in the real world and so it gives us the luxury of spending more time with patients but I know it's not going to be that way forever Um, and so that's you know one thing that we're always kind of up against but I do see the system changing so we're already starting to go more in a direction of being reimbursed by insurance companies or being paid to keep a certain population of individuals healthy rather than being paid per visit or per procedure or per test that we do. And I think that as we see that shift start to happen over the next several years, um, we're going to see, you know, longer office visits. People are not going to have to come in as often because maybe you can take care of things better over the phone or um, keep in touch with them more frequently in different ways. I'd like to go back to a question really quick. Um, Red, Claire, did you have something? I heard you. I heard you rustle. Nope. I'm okay. <laughs> um, I backing up a little bit because I remember you said you were you found CrossFit when you were applying to med school, and I want to know a little bit about what your um, thought process was at the time of finding CrossFit and applying to med school, and also what your expectations were of the healthcare system, or at least just of health. You said before you found CrossFit, and it completely mm-hmm. changed your mind. What what was what were your expectations? before that? Sure. So I originally went into medicine, one, because I just loved, I loved everything about the human body. I loved studying it. I loved how complex it was. Um, and I had, I had pretty much made that decision when I was in high school and I was taking like human biology classes and things like that. And then, um, I, and I also, I really love problem solving. So I ended up studying biomedical engineering in undergrad and that was awesome because it was a lot of problem solving, but it was all in the context of the human body. Um, but the real thing for me was that relation, the physician patient relationship. So I, it was so fascinating to me and I love, I'm definitely, I'm not an extrovert, but I am very much a people person and I like the one-on-one relationships um, and conversations. And I think that's probably why I gravitated, gravitated towards doing a podcast was because I just love having those one-on-one conversations with people. Um, and, and so that that was really what made me go into medicine as opposed to, you know, continuing with engineering or research or something like that. And, um, I always have been very much detail oriented, kind of like perfectionist grew up as a gymnast. And so I always thought, I'm going to become a super specialist. I'm going to learn this one system of the body really, really well. And I'm going to be an expert in that area. And that sounded like an awesome thing for me. But I had no idea what that was going to be because I thought there were so many different areas of the body that were really interesting. Um, And I remember even shadowing in a primary care office when I was in college and thinking, oh my gosh, I could never do this. It's so general. It's so broad. It's so boring. I don't think I could ever. That's the one thing I could rule out, you know? Like, okay, that I have ruled out, but everything else I still don't know. Um, And then it was really as I got into my first and second year of med school, and like I said, I started to see so many of these diseases we were learning about could be easily prevented or treated with lifestyle. And at the same time, I'm deep into CrossFit and I'm seeing and interacting with people every single day who are starting and doing CrossFit and are coming off their medications. They're having these huge lifestyle changes having way bigger impact than a lot of the patients that I was seeing in a primary care office who were still coming every six months and getting their medication refills and, you know, gradually adding more chronic diseases to their list. And so that's when I really, really started to realize, okay, I'd much rather, you know, even though it would be more comforting to be a specialist and feel like, okay, I just have to know this one area really well. um, In reality, I felt like that was part of the problem with our healthcare system and why it was so broken was because we have so many specialists looking at one isolated area of the body and there's no one looking out for the patient and putting it all together, looking at the big picture and helping them to address these bigger lifestyle things that can honestly have an impact on all of the body systems. I think that that's really interesting. And I think that that's something that, um, like you were saying earlier, you know, it's easy with the, the people in our community and it's easy to kind of get 
these blinders on of like, well, everybody gets it. Like people, you know, we're, we're moving mm-hmm. in a good direction. And then you go outside of your, you know, you go visit family in another part of the state or, you know, whatever it is. And you look around and you're like, oh my gosh, there's actually so few people who really understand how things are truly connected and how like the decisions you make in the grocery store are going to affect your, you know, your diabetes, right. I don't know, your ability to, to be able to stand up on your own when you're 70 and that connection is not made. And I think that it's interesting, um, you know, to identify like, this is a conversation you need to be having at the, at the medical level. And I'm kind of, I'm curious, like, do you talk to patients specifically about CrossFit or are you kind of more, you know, just honed in on, um, like go for a walk or yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I do think it depends on the patient. So there are definitely patients that I talk to about it or suggest and say, oh, you know, this might be something that you would be interested in, but it certainly depends on the patient. And I think that there's so many different factors that go into it. It depends where they're starting from. It depends what their financial situation is. Um, And so I think it's something that I try to you know, bring into the conversation, or maybe it's not specifically CrossFit that I bring up, but maybe we talk about trying to do burpees in the morning when they wake up or, you know, giving them little workouts that they could do at home. That do you get to show them to... what a burpee is, Julie? <laughs> I have done it before. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it has been done before. Um, but yeah, I think it totally depends on the person. And I have patients who do CrossFit and I have, um, like the other day, one of my patients was, told me that her mom who's like 72 or something does CrossFit in the area but she was like oh yeah she's crazy (laughs) (laughs) so she obviously had a little different routine for what she did for her activity and that's fine I think that the important thing is is for people to be moving and to figure out what works for them and of course I think that CrossFit is probably the most effective exercise program and it can be scaled for anyone but um, it's a lot of times it's about figuring out like what that, where that person is, what they're willing to do and how to move them forward one step at a time. Um, one question we get a lot is people saying like, Hey, I have somebody in my life, they're unhealthy and never in a million years would they agree to do CrossFit right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. But you know, how do I move them towards that? Or how do I even open the conversation? Because there also is that stigma with CrossFit. You know, if that's what you lead with, a lot of people are just right off the back and discount you of like, oh my gosh, you're just some crazy health nut. Yeah. And crazy I, I don't want to write you crazy CrossFit. Right. <laughs> like, get out, get out of here. How do you find that it's effective to talk to maybe not just people in your clinic, but also people in your life? Have you found a way that's effective to kind of start the conversation in a way that's not going to scare people off, but that is going to still be effective and get your point across. Yes. So that's such a difficult, um, situation, but I think it, like I, like I said, it depends on the person. And if they, if they're going to be scared off just by you saying CrossFit, then I try to like (laughs) slowly ease them in. Um, I think a lot of times just like I mentioned, trying to help people do little mini workouts on their own or, you know, with their family or at home that they don't even realize are CrossFit mm. <laughs> um, can be really helpful. Um, and then I still think that the the most powerful things are obviously when people try it themselves or when they hear a story of someone else who's like them who does it or who did it and had great success. And so I think I try to point people towards those stories, whether they're, you know, in the CrossFit journal or people, you know, in the area or, you know, people that I've had on the podcast before, I think whenever someone can, can identify with someone else and say, okay, if they did it, I think I could do it too. I think that a lot of times that helps. The other thing that I, I want, I hope listeners and I hope the message, uh, gets out a little bit more that I still feel like CrossFit gets this negative connotation that it's way too intense for people that it could, like you were talking before about how that level of training for you, when you were at the competitive level, that level of training for, for much longer would not be a good thing. So I think that people um, who really don't know a lot about CrossFit, I still hear the rumblings and I think it's always going to be there at some level, but I even think people who do CrossFit, um, we might abuse it a little bit. And I I remember a conversation that we had (laughs) with, with Sheree Chan that she, we were having this conversation, kind of like the same thing. And Sheree was like, well, if you, if you whittle it down to the beginning, CrossFit wasn't meant to be this way, you know, like it was meant to be where people are moving and you're doing all these amazing variety of movements and it's a functional movement pattern and it's all the, Mm -hmm. all the things that are good for the body. So I, I think that 
I kind of just want to hear from you because you're in my mind, like one of the OG CrossFitters and how, um, I think we need to do a better job as CrossFitters of making sure people who don't know about it, any people who are in it to kind of say, you know, if you don't feel like going to do 10 wads a week, you probably shouldn't be. It's, it's okay. Right. You know, I think we, we've started to abuse it a little bit. Yeah, I think it's hard because people get so excited about it and it's so much fun and it all your friends so are fun. there. Yeah. You just want to go every day and do it all the time. Um, but I do think it's true that I think a lot of us are probably overdoing it. And even if you look at like the main site workouts, three days on, one day off, usually it's one workout, you hit it really intense um, and that's it. Sometimes it's just a lift or it's yeah. just a 5K. And if you look at the average, you know, what the average person is doing in the gym every day, it's at least multiple. It's, you know, maybe a lift, maybe a Metcon, maybe some skill work. Um, you know, maybe they're going for a run later in the afternoon. Like we can start to really, really add things on um, and start to feel like we're training more for competition than we are for, for longevity. And so I think one is helping people like realize that and it's okay to, to pull back and try to spend more time doing things that are active, but maybe are outside the gym, which is, you know, really what CrossFit is all about. Um, and then I think um, the other thing that I, I see a lot of people when they finally slow down is if they get an injury or there's something that happens in life that kind of slows them down and then they realize, okay, you know, maybe I am overdoing it. Maybe I want to take it a little bit slower. And so hopefully, you know, not everyone has to get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a tough balance because I feel... I feel like on the one hand, it's so, you know, it's so important for our overall health to be doing it on a regular basis. And I notice myself now, it was a big adjustment, like going, decreasing the volume after I was done competing. And now the last few months since I've been in residency, it's been a, a weird time because there's, there's times where I just haven't really worked out for like a week or sometimes almost two weeks. And I just don't feel like myself. Um, and so it, you have to have the right balance where one, you can't just make excuses and not go, you know, all the time. You have to have find kind of like your happy medium, whether it's five days a week or four days a week or whatever, and stick to that. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if we're spending all of our time in the gym or not doing other stuff outside the gym, then it's not as much of a benefit to us in the first place. Yeah. And I know your training program, uh, train with Julie Fouché is, do you use that principle too of just like I know it's 60 minutes from warm up to cool down. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's just like that one hour. Um, is that kind of how you have it in mind as well? Of like life balance? Yeah, exactly. So I um, really created it after I was done competing because I knew I still wanted to be efficient in the gym and I wanted to still get a really good workout, but I wanted to be in and out in 60 minutes. Um, I knew I was going to be working out at some weird times and not really always able to go to classes. And so that's, that's why I did it. And I think that's the other thing that a lot of us spend so much time in the gym because we're just there hanging out, socializing, you know, taking our time in between each of our lifts or whatever. And so the 60 minute timeline, I think helps me stay on track. And then if I want to stay and socialize afterwards, then it's fine. But I know, like, if I need to, I can get in and out in 60 minutes. Um, and then the other thing that I've realized too, and now I'm getting a lot more, like I kind of have been mentioning, I'm, I'm getting more into these home workouts and like starting your morning with some type of movement um, because I feel like it just sets the tone for the whole day. If you're, I'm not usually a morning workout person, like I don't normally go and do the 6 a.m. class, but, mm -hmm. um, but just like some small amount of movement in the morning, I think can help get your day going really well. And so I've been doing more of that. We have um, like an air diet or a salt bike in our house. And so sometimes I'll just ride that for like five minutes or something in the morning. Um, and we're also, I'm also working on, hopefully it will be coming out in the next few months, but I'm working on basically a home program that will be a 30 minute version of our, our 60 minute plan, but it'll be really basic, basic equipment, like stuff you can have in your house, like yeah. maybe some dumbbells and kettlebells and, um, sit-ups and stuff like that. And, to make it so scalable that anyone could do it, whether it really came from my husband and I thinking about so many patients or people that we meet that want to start a program and have no, you know, no prior experience, but they're way too intimidated to go into a gym or yeah. they don't want to get a trainer. And so something that's super, super scalable. So you could start and do air squats or push ups against the wall or whatever. Um, 
or you could scale it up if you're an experienced CrossFitter and you just want to get a quick workout at home um, and get a really effective workout. And so that's something else that we're working on that we're super excited about. It's going to be, we're going to do it completely for free. We're just going to be like posting a workout every day and trying to get people moving in a simple way, not trying not to make it too complicated. Oh, I love that. I think we've, I think that's a good swing of the pendulum because in my mind, at least my mentality is like, okay, I got to commit to an hour. And I mm-hmm. love that you just said like, I move for five minutes. Cause I, I feel like in, in the grand scheme of life, like if you just move, you feel better for the day. And if you don't get an hour workout in, it's just, we don't need to beat ourselves up over that. And I just love that the idea of movement in the morning is kind of thinking outside the box. It's true. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, you, I, you can do five minutes and then you can go to the gym for an hour in the afternoon. But I think just the way that it gets your blood flowing, your, you know, your mind is clear sometimes, or usually if you can take a cold shower afterwards too, then you're like really ready to go for the day. Um, (laughs) But it's just been, it's been something that's, I think helped a lot for me in the last year or so. So moving kind of back over into you, talking about health. And one thing that you said a minute ago about, you know, if you don't work out, you don't feel like yourself. And we, um, I think we all experience that to some degree and what we've been trying to do lately, lately and we're about to do a challenge, like launch a little bit of a challenge around this mm-hmm. is about, um, really trying to hone in on like, what does it mean to you, Julie Fouché or to you, you know, whomever to feel, um, to actually like, what does healthy actually feel like day to day to you? And I think that it kind of comes back to just feeling like yourself and, you know, being energetic and whatever. But do you have, like, if you think about a day where you just feel like crap versus, you know, a day where you really do feel like yourself and you feel good and, you know, you want to obviously maximize your days feeling better. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, the things that you think of and like, you know, what are some of the things that you notice where, where you really try to go after that feeling of, healthy throughout your day or healthy throughout your life. Like if you had to take away the markers of your lifts or your, um, you know, 400 splits or whatever those markers are, what are you going after in terms of that? Just feeling of for health, um, throughout the rest of your life. That's a great question. So just as a little story about how I noticed how important it is for me to exercise. Um, I was on a really busy rotation a couple months ago and, just kept missing the gym and I, you know, I'd get home from work exhausted, had to take care of like a few other life things. And, um, I think I went almost two weeks without really working out at all. Like I might've done some morning biking or whatever, but that was about it. And then, and also during this time, of course, I'm not really sleeping that much either, which is compounding Mm -hmm. the problem. And so I just remember one day going, like waking up and just feeling super depressed for no reason. And I'm like going to work and going through doing everything I have to do, but I just felt depressed. And I felt like someone could say the wrong thing to me and I might start crying. (laughs) And I then was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I have to go to the gym. So I went to the gym Really didn't want to go. Really had to like force myself through the whole entire workout. But afterwards, of course, I felt great. And then felt great the rest of the week. And like since then have not had an issue. But it's, I mean, exercise affects us in so many ways. And especially like once you're used to doing it on a regular basis, it's like you need that to like keep your brain chemistry stable and your mood stable. And that's for me part of what defines that feeling healthy is feeling is my mood, like feeling like I'm excited about waking up every day, like I'm positive and optimistic and excited about the things I'm doing, um, feeling rested. I think for me, I need a lot of sleep. There's some people who can get by with like five, six hours of sleep, yes. and that's just not me. I'm um, the same so- way. I saw a blog post. Somebody posted the Bulletproof guy. What's his name, Joy? Dave? Dave Asprey. Asprey. Mm-hmm. He posted something yesterday that was like, research shows you only need 6.5 hours of sleep. And I was like, who are these monsters? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I hate when those studies pop up every once in a while. It's like every once in a while, one study will pop up. It's like, you really only need five hours. I'm like, if you're Martha Stewart, like somewhere she (laughs) made it normal, but none of us are really functioning. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I just think that, you know, if I don't get enough sleep, I feel like I'm in a fog all day. And um, so you know, feeling like I can think clearly and like I'm excited and feeling optimistic about the day is definitely when I feel like I'm the healthiest. Yeah. I love that too, because it's not like, I think it's so important to move away from, well, when I fit into these jeans or when I, you know, am this size or this weight, or even like 
any any of that external, mm-hmm. any of those external motivators and hone in on what is the feeling I'm going for and how can I make sure that I have that? I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, um, the, um, sorry, Claire, just like the yeah. one quick thing, just, I feel like it's a good touchstone to come back to like this home base of who am I and what does health look like for me and feel like for me? I think a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know what that feels like. And I, I love what you said to, to Julie about creating a program for people who aren't even in the realm of exercise or maybe just moving for five minutes in the morning to start to build on what that feels like. Right. And then they get to know right. it a little bit more. And it's so different for each person. And that's why I think Claire and I are so passionate about this too, of just we've, we've come so far from what we should be feeling like on an individual level. And when we feel tired, when we've been working out too much or too little or what have you, but we base it off of these comparisons on social media or these professional athletes or, you know, fill in the blank. And I think that's why we love having this conversation too, of like really dialing it back to say, well, on an individual level, what does that feel like for you? And then if you don't know that, just building on little things here and there to get to know that piece of yourself. Exactly. And like people say, sometimes you don't even know how bad you're feeling until you start to feel good. Like, yeah, so many exactly. People, yeah, until you start exercising or you start changing your diet, you don't even realize like kind of like daily brain fog or whatever that you've been living in and how much better it could be every day. Um, and I think that that one other thing we want to talk about a little bit is like kind of what can happen when you do lose sight of that bigger picture health and you do start to focus more on you know, getting a six pack or hitting certain lifts or, or whatnot. And one thing that we see this kind of to pivot a little bit. One thing that we see a lot, um, and have been seeing a lot since we started talking about it is this, you know, the obsession with counting and with macros and all that, you know, all that fun stuff and how in some ways it can be really healthy and great and you can learn a lot and you can get good results and then you can move mm-hmm. on with your life. And in a lot of other ways it can have, it can, and not just macros, but any sort of extreme, um, exercise regimen, even if you're eating whatever the heck you want or, you know, however that ends up manifesting, when you get to the point where you're making decisions based on external motivating factors, it can very quickly go down a rabbit hole that takes a very, very, very long time to get out of, not just mentally, but also physically. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's come up a lot is when you start missing periods. Mm. And that happened to me. So Julie, just like, this is, yeah, this is like a personal experience too, that we can Mm -hmm. talk about, but like, just, I feel like Claire and I have had this discussion a lot because it happened to me. And there's a lot Mm -hmm. of, um, women who are kind of crawling out of the woodwork when we start talking about this of how these the creepy way to say it. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm wherever that that girl from the ring. It's officially October 1st. It's a creepy (laughs) month. Um, sorry. (laughs) So, Anyway, but but I think what we're trying to say, too, is just um, there's so much that was coming at us to where you think it's healthy and you're turning it and into something that is not good for you, but you don't know it's not good for you because you feel like, well, yeah. this should be healthy. So especially like with, you know, a lot of workouts and working out really hard or eat, counting macros, and then all of a sudden you're in this place where you're like, holy cow, I really don't feel good. And why do I not have a period? Mm-hmm. And, well, and I think what I kind of wanted to get at is like you know, as somebody, um, with the medical background who can speak to that objectively, yes. um, you know, what are, what is your body going through when that happens? And the reason I'm asking is because we have also heard a lot of feedback from people who say, well, you know, I just thought this was like, I, you know, I, when I brought this up to my nutrition coach or to my friends or whoever, they kind of just act like it wasn't a big deal. Like sometimes women skip a period. It's, you know, like what's the big deal. And so I'm curious to hear kind of what, from the objective standpoint is happening. And then also like, how do you, how do you help people who come in on the opposite side of the spectrum? Or do you see this very often of, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about people who the struggle is just to get them off the couch and you swing to the other side of the spectrum of people who are obsessed with their health. Mm -hmm. How can you help them work through that and get more towards a balanced life? Right. Yeah. It's such a wide like perspective because I think so many times we try to focus on, that demographic of people who are who need to make lifestyle change and who need to get off the couch and start eating differently but it can completely go in the other direction and now there's even like I don't know if you guys have heard of this but there's a, it's actually classified as an eating disorder called orthorexia mm-hmm. nervosa yeah. where basically people are trying to eat so healthy and that it's causing a lot of anxiety and actually disrupting their daily life and function because they're so concerned about making sure that they're eating the right things and eating 
um, you know, doing the healthy things. And so we can definitely take it too far. And I think that there's something to be said for balance. Um, and, you know, there's times I'm, I've also struggled a lot with like, how do you, how do you use numbers and tracking and when is the appropriate time to use them if you're looking at things like macros? Um, and I certainly think that, like you mentioned, they can be super helpful and in the right situations with the right people, it can be a really, really powerful tool. Um, but sometimes that can also lead to um, more, I guess, anxiety and, um, you know, people obsessing more and spending more time obsessing about eating healthy when it's, it's actually become sort of a detrimental thing. Um, and so I think I, as far as skipping periods, I think that definitely that's a huge red flag that there's something going on, um, in your body and your body's not getting the nutrients that it needs. And, you know, obviously everyone has some variation in their menstrual cycle and occasionally may skip one here and there, but if it becomes something where you're, you haven't gotten one for a while, you're skipping it every single month um, you're just putting your body at risk for other things down the road, like, you know, problems with bone density and not getting all the nutrients that your body needs. So there's, there's actually, I forget, I'll have to figure out what it's called, but there's basically a way to estimate like what your, your body's, um, sort of like happy weight is based on like the, your bone structure and your height. And for most people, if they stay above that weight, they're going to keep getting their periods and they're going to be healthier. Um, and if they drop below it, then usually that's when they start to lose their period. And they use it a lot with, um, when working with, uh, patients with eating disorders to help them kind of make sure that they stay above that weight where, where their body is going to be a little bit healthier. Um, and so it's definitely something where if you're experimenting with your diet and you start losing your period, then I would certainly, um, make some changes or talk to your doctor or figure out what's going on because it's not something that you want to be um, messing around with for a long period of time. And then how do you talk to people about, you know, hey, there is this line and, you know, what, how do you describe that line of, you know, moving from like, this is healthy and you're, you know, you're doing mm. this right regions over into this might be to the point where it's becoming unhealthy and maybe even crossing over into an eating disorder. Like for you from an objective standpoint, is there a line that is like, once you, start to see X, Y, Z. And once you, um, you know, once it starts affecting your daily life up to this point, like, is there a, a black and white way to look at it that you guys have, you know, that you've talked about, I guess, sort of medically speaking? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm definitely not an expert in this area, but I would say if it gets to the point where someone is, it's constantly consuming their thoughts and they're not able to live their life without, you know, feeling significant anxiety around it like if they're out in a social situation and they you know eat you know a, something that is not according to their meal plan it completely you know sends them through a loop of a lot of anxiety and um, negative thoughts then I think that's when it's you know having a negative impact I think that yeah. it's healthy to have goals and to you know if you're trying to follow a certain set of macros to have goals and be you know be very strict with that. And if you're in a social situation, you want to stick to your macros, that's awesome. But if something happens and you can't, or you don't, um, you should, you know, you should like a healthy way to deal with it would be to say, okay, this happened. Let's roll with it. We'll, you know, we'll get back on track. Um, as opposed to like this downward spiral of, you know, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm a terrible person. Exactly. I can't believe that this happened. And beating yourself up. And I posted a, um, right. a great, which we all do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think it's just like, like you're saying is the majority of the time where are you falling? And I think, um, then we start to have a conversation of whether or not we're hitting a criteria of a, of a diagnosis in the DSM. And so I think that that's another place where Claire and I have had conversations with eating disorder experts as well. But I think um, it's a really fine line because the, the idea is, well, I'm just being healthy and this is a healthy mm -hmm. thing and I just really care about my health. But the amount of stress that it creates that we see people not really realizing how much stress it creates. I don't think they're mm -hmm. aware of how stressful it or is for them. Or it's been normalized. Yeah. The amount of stress has been normalized. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, it's a good conversation to keep having yeah. at some point, but it's yeah, really hard really, for women. It is. It's incredibly hard. And it's honestly, it's something like I personally have been thinking a lot about lately because I think, you know, just coming from my background in competition, it's completely normal to be like trying to be so perfect about everything you eat and your training and, 
you have this like goal that you're working towards and then kind of transitioning out of that you can almost go to the other extreme where you're like well I'm not training for the game so like none of this really matters if I skip a day at the (laughs) gym or if I eat a cupcake like it's not the end of the world but then you can start to let that become your new normal um and you really you really have to find that like happy middle ground which I think is always a challenge for all of us and um it's kind of like a constant lifelong journey but um on the one hand you have to tell your you know you say have to tell yourself you know I am important and regardless of whether I'm training for the games or whether I'm training for life like you have to know why you're making these decisions and why your health is so important and then you know help help yourself be you know hold to them um but not to the point where it's, you know, impeding your everyday function in your life. I think that's a good point. And I think that one thing that can be kind of scary to think about is if you are, if you are used to super regimented, whatever, you know, your workout regimen or your diet, and you are starting to think, you know, this might not be that healthy, but the, you feel like the only other option is just completely walking away from all of that and just completely ignoring your health. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of, Right. Which is also not the answer. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to get at with how do you think about health? How, like, what are those feelings that you're really going for where, you know, at the end of the day, like I felt like shit today. And so clearly the choices that I made were not the right ones versus man, I felt good today. I'm going to make those same choices tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, but it is, it's so crazy. Like, why do we get to that point where we feel like, man, if, if I'm not completely dialed in from, you know, zero to hero every single day, then I'm just going to, the the next thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going to just wake up one day and be like my, the, the probably horribly offensive example I use all the time is I'm going to have to be lifted out of my house on a forklift, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, there is a middle ground. Like there's a time yeah. in there for you to look around and say, you know what? I don't really like where this is going. I'm going to make a different choice today. Right. It's that continuum, right? That CrossFit, like sickness, wellness, fitness. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're all over here on the side of fitness. We have a long way to go. And so it's okay if we slip up here and there. And as long as we, you know, write ourselves, go back the right direction. So on that same note that Claire was asking that, you know, I think a lot of women especially have a hard time letting go of their patterns and their um, rather strict eating behaviors or their rather strict workout regimen. And I imagine when you were transitioning out of competing and focusing on school, was that something that you experienced? Like kind of just letting go? Yeah, I would say, but you know what, for me, I think I got really lucky because, because I had finished with that injury. Mm -hmm. Um, it really, you know, I wasn't able to train the same way that I would have been. And so I was still focused on my rehab and still doing workouts to stay in shape. But it definitely forced me to slow way, way down right away. Um, And then have that goal of kind of working back up to where I, you know, used to be or where I wanted to be. Um, And then honestly, having that, the train program, where I felt accountable to my community to be training five days a week and doing that one hour session and nothing more. I think that helps me stay on track really well. Um, And then just, it's really honestly been only recently, like since starting residency that I've been struggling more with this and trying to find what my new balance will be just because there's so many, it seems like now there's just so many other demands that it's so easy to put my own, you know, fitness or working out on the back burner. And even in the first three months, I think I realized that I can't do that. Like I'm not, like I said, I don't feel like with myself unless yeah. I'm working out regularly. And so it's going through those, those phases where sometimes you work out less and sometimes you work out for more and then you find kind of what your happy place is. So I think for I me, think- that's like at least a few days a week, at least four, if not five days a week. That's such an important thing too, to hear that you know, everybody goes through those phases. Like I've been talking about this a lot. I have a two-year-old in the last couple of years have pretty much just been mm-hmm. a shit show. And, <laughs> you know, I, I work full-time. My husband's in nursing school full-time and there are, I haven't worked out consistently since probably June mm-hmm. and I get it in when I can, but more often than not, I don't. Mm-hmm. And it's been so easy to beat myself up about that. And it, but I think it's so important for people to hear like, everyone goes through these phases and I kind of try to look at it like a season and tell myself like, it's not going to be like this forever. Eventually I'll get back to a point where my life is more predictable and it might not be for a few years. But like when you take that, once again, just harping back on this view of longevity, like when you take a step back and it's like, it's not about the workout today, it's about lifelong health and fitness that helps you put into perspective. Like I don't have to have it figured out today 
in order to, you know, feel like I'm still a healthy person or still a fit person or still identify as an athlete. Like it's something that we all go through, even people like you, the, you know, very, um, successful professional athlete background. Like you still go through those seasons of trying to just make it work. It's so true. It's so true. And the, the great thing is, is that you know what to go back to, right? Like, it's not like you're starting from square one. Like, you know, as soon as that you have that freedom or that time in your schedule that you can start going to the gym regularly, you will, and you'll be right back where you were. Um, but so that's kind of reassuring to know, like you have that path and you can be patient. It's not, you know, it's not going to be that way forever. Um, and knowing that you have that looking ahead in your future. Right. And it sucks at the time, but you have to just Mm kind of, it is what it is and life happens. And, but like no one or very, very few people have the type of life where every single day for the rest of their lives, they're going to be able to make it to the gym. And if that's you, I'm very jealous and please share (laughs) your secrets with me. (laughs) But I also don't think that I, I feel like the, if there's anything I've kind of witnessed or at least wanted to experience in the past years, just to kind of make things, to change things up and experience variety and not get too stuck in a Mm -hmm. pattern. Cause I don't think that's healthy either. And so, um, just kind of playing with that line too of backing off has been my goal recently, just cause I feel like I have been stuck in a, in a hamster wheel of doing too much. And, uh, as evidenced by the health stuff that I went through last year. So I think that also doing too much or having too much of a pattern of working out is a bad thing. Um, well, Joy, I think that's a good point too, because like, even for someone like you, who your life circumstances don't change, that doesn't still mean that like your desires and your right. version of health isn't going to change. Yeah. Like if you're, you know, you aren't able, you're like, technically you're able to go to, you know, your schedule changes the same or it stays the same. You've, you know, had that kind of consistent routine, but even throughout that, what you have wanted to do and what you feel like you're seeking has changed. Yeah, for sure. Which is interesting because I think for the most part we were like, okay, especially from social media is get up and go work out and get your workout in and eat healthy and all those pressures. And I feel like that is something that I've learned is really uh, working against us at some point because um, I don't, I mean, it's kind of exhausting. And so I think stepping back and going, okay, well, if I don't feel like doing this today and I back off and I just go for a walk, wow, that actually feels really good and touched in being in touch with our bodies instead of like mm-hmm. doing what is thrown at us every day. I was going to say, and it's so true. There's so many other things that we can do to improve and like help our bodies and facilitate health than just hitting it really hard in the gym. Like that movement throughout the day, whether it's taking a walk or doing other things outside, connecting with nature, like sleep, meditation, obviously nutrition, but there's so many other things that we can put our time and effort into to create health, um, than just being in the gym every day. Obviously that's important, but, um, like you said, you could spend so much time, you could spend that hour that you would normally be in the gym doing so many other things that are also really productive for your health. Yeah. And that at some point our bodies adapt, right? Our bodies are so freaking smart that it adapts to the patterns that we're in. So why not shake it up and why not back off a little bit and let it adapt Mm -hmm. to that and then go at it again if you want to. But, um, I think just the, attitude of hitting it really hard and restricting what we eat or eating quote unquote really clean, our bodies will adapt to that too. And then we have nowhere left to go. So people then say, well, I want to lose whatever more weight. Well, your body's is not, your body's like, well, you're pushing us really hard. Like, why would we keep trying to lose weight? I mean, it's just such a vicious mm-hmm. cycle that we fall into. So I think that's kind of the piece that I'm really passionate about, at least in my life right now is just being like, Hey, I'm going to just go for a walk today and we don't have to hit it hard every day. And, and, decreasing my stress is way more important than trying to go Mm -hmm. stress my body out. And I think that people don't understand that stressing your body out is stress, even though in your mind you feel like, well, it feels good for me. It's like, yeah, but it's still stress on your body. So I don't know. It's so true. We're especially doing CrossFit. I think most people that are attracted to CrossFit are in general, the type of fight or flight people who are going to be in that like sympathetic adrenaline rush all day because that's the type of people they are. Exactly. Yeah, like we have to find ways to balance that out. Like, yeah, the intensity and working out is good, but then we have to balance it with meditation or slowing down and spending time outside or, you know, whatever it is for you that helps you kind of recover and turn on that parasympathetic response. Yeah. And I think the piece that uh, I was, I'm very guilty of not 
understanding that for the longest time. I was like, no, you have to go really hard. And I just like doing this. And this is just really fun. But that's when I think um, as, as much as it sucked, but when I was counting macros, lost my period, had that, you know, year, I just look at it as like a year of being unhealthy is when it really hit me that, um, you know, I've been really athletic my entire life. I've been he- healthy for the most part my entire life. But that year of really pushing my body, I was doing more and I was eating really clean, but I my health just tanked. And so now I'm kind of going, wow, I am the living example of like, you can do all the hard workouts in your life and you are actually really unhealthy and you can eat clean and you're really unhealthy. And so um, scaling it back and treating your body nice and being mindful about stress is actually a really mm-hmm. good idea. But uh, I don't <laughs> think, I think that people just need to like learn that on their own and, and come to that realization themselves. Definitely. Lifelong journey. Lifelong journey. <laughs> All right. So one last question and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But I do, I, I love your podcast, Pursuing Health with Julie Fouché. And I want to know what the, um, what the impetus was when you started out on the podcast journey. Like what were the questions you wanted to have answers? What were the things that were kind of bubbling up inside you that you're like, I really want to put these messages out? Sure. So I started the podcast also around the time I stopped competing. And for me, it was really one, a great way to stay in touch with the CrossFit community. Um, and two, I felt like I like people hearing their stories and I felt like I had you know, because of CrossFit met so many amazing people and I wanted to share their stories with a wider audience. Um, and then the third thing was really trying to, you know, obviously a lot of those people were like CrossFit Games athletes or experts. And I just share the stories of the everyday people that you meet in the gym who have these amazing health transformations because of how they've changed their lifestyle. And like I mentioned before, being able to share those so that other people who are maybe struggling or you know, they're capable of changing their lifestyle could maybe have some inspiration or connect with them and um, be empowered to change their own life and overcome their chronic illnesses. So that's kind of what I focus on. And it's been super fun. And so I've really enjoyed it every step of the way. And at least, you know, as far as I can tell into the future. Julie, I am so glad we got to have this conversation. It's been really helpful for us. And just, I'm such a huge fan of yours and I admire you so much. Um, It was really great meeting you at the games. I feel like this is just, I'm excited to see where else you go in your career. Well, thank you. I love meeting you guys at the games too. I've been a fan for a while and I love the voice that you guys have, especially for the women in the CrossFit community, not that, you know, obviously the men that listen too, but I think that, you know, we need, we need more of that. And there's so many of these topics like we talked about today that I'm, um, so I appreciate how open you guys are with your own experiences and what you guys do for the community. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Oh, shucks. Oh, shucks. Um, can I be, can I be kind of a dork and just ask you one of your own questions that you ask on your podcast is, and kind of whittle it down to what are you going to do today for your health? Like today's Sunday, what is your Sunday looking like? What are you going to do today? I love it. Well, I actually started, so lately for my morning movement, I've been doing a lot of foam rolling. So I did like five minutes of foam rolling and then I've been meditating. Finally, it's taken me like two years to finally do it consistently. So I got the Headspace app and I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but Mm -hmm. you can do, basically it's like a free 10 day. The first 10 days are free. And I've probably tried to do that for the last two years. And I would always get like a couple days in and then I wouldn't do it for two months. And then I'd start over and then I'd get a couple days in and start over. And so finally I made it through all 10 days and now I'm into the the regular meditations in the app and I've been doing it pretty much every morning. So probably we're going to work out later this evening. My husband is at work this morning. We're going to do some stuff around the house and then we'll go to church and we'll work out this evening and eat some delicious food and that'll be our Sunday. Sounds pretty nice. That sounds like the model of health. Everyone should do that yeah. and go meditate. I'm, oh, that's, that's definitely on my list. <laughs> well, thank you again, Julie. Listeners, you can find Julie Fouché. If you don't know where to find her, you should. But uh, it's juliefouché.com and her podcast is Pursuing Health with Julie Fouché. And that's it for this week. Thanks again, Julie. Stay on the line. Thank you, guys.